Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Thank you so much for joining us on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Our special guest who is joining us, who has written a, uh, at least I love the title, Why is Grandma Naked Caring for Your Aging Parents? Ellen Hobert Ritberg joins us on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline. Ellen, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a delight. And uh, tell me a a little bit about uh, your journey that got you involved in caregiving. Everybody's got a story. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, So anyway, I'd sold my house and I was staying at mom's temporarily when she broke her hip and she came back from rehab and I just couldn't leave mom alone in that house. Her ambulation was not good and her judgment I discovered from living with her was kind of not as good as it used to be. So, um, I had two friends. They said, you know, you have, you have a great relationship with your mom. Why don't you just stay? And it, I was there for six years. And, of course, she declined. And um, I was there almost till the end. But I worked full time as an attorney. So as time went on, I had to get other people involved, companions at first, and then other people to be with her. But uh, I did a lot of the heavy lifting in the beginning. I was the caregiver. <laughs> was it something you ever thought you'd do? You know, I don't know that I did. I used to come to mom's house. Uh, we live up north. So there, if there was a blizzard before the blizzard came, mom sometimes lost her lights. I'd pick mom up, bring her to my house. Um, I was very close. I, I used to always spend at least one day of the weekend with her. So uh, whenever I felt that she needed something, it wasn't beyond the realm of, of thinking, put it to you that way. Mm-hmm. And, and as you take a look at what that experience was like, uh, few people choose the moment they're going to become a caregiver. A lot of people think about it. A lot of people wonder about it. Uh, But in the end, like in your case, it happens when it happens. What did you learn about yourself? Oh, what a great question. What I learned was, and I learned this after the fact, was I try to do it all by myself. Um, I had I had a sister that lived not that far from mom. I, w- I had a long commute, but she had worked really, really hard and had retired and she had her routines and I really didn't even want to ask her to do stuff. So I didn't. So I basically did everything for a long while and it's just too much. You have to build a support system. So I learned that asking for help is very important. And I do that now. And that's a life lesson. Well, too many caregivers don't ask for help. Uh, and when it's offered very often, they'll turn it down. Good point. So true. So and true. what is the motivation? Why do they do that? Well, in my case, I didn't turn anybody down. I um, just, you develop routines. And I think a lot of us are creatures of routines. I, I worked, I left in the morning. Um, at one point, I had, I found a companion for mom who would make her lunch and spend a couple of days with her. I put in my book, um, she used to take mom sock shopping for socks. She drove huh. and mom lived in an area without public transportation. Mom, for some reason, she was an intelligent lady who read like three books a week. She loved going sock shopping. But then I come home, I had to make dinner, watch Jeopardy with her, watch Wheel of Fortune. And, you know, and then basically collapse on, on my bed. I was just not good for anything at that point. So that was my the, routine. Mm-hmm. 
Hmm? What did she do with all the socks? <laughs> you know something? I don't remember, but sock, you know, socks disappearing is a problem that everyday life, we all have that. They did the, it's the sock fairies at work. <laughs> well, the dryer eats them. Oh, I, you know what? I'm convinced you're right. <laughs> Very true. Now, tell me a little bit about, uh, I'm assuming the title uh, comes from real life. Why is grandma naked? Uh, <laughs> yes. You want me to tell you? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, I said, as I said, I was an attorney who represented senior citizens. So I knew a certain amount, but because of the stress of taking care of mom, whatever I learned from seminars I went to, and I hadn't gone to that many seminars, uh, it flew right out the window. So one day I was sitting with mom and she lived on a main street, two main streets with a big picture window. And she just stood up and started to take off her clothes. And I was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> close the curtains really fast. And when it came time to write the book, I um, I have two kids. One of my sons, Matt Ritter, is a stand-up comic. He's a very active stand-up comic. We brainstorm him and my, my daughter, Kim, who's also very talented and creative. And we started to brainstorm titles. And he said, why don't you call it? <laughs> you know, why is grandma naked? So, yeah, uh, that's the title that I came up with. <laughs> of course, the end, end title is more serious. It says Caring for Your Aging Parent. Well, I like the whole idea of... Uh of that title and that visual image. By the way, if you've just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel, our regular co-host on special assignment today. So I am carrying the load today and, and enjoying it very much. We're talking with Ellen Pober Ritberg, her just released uh, humorous self-help book is now Amazon number one new release in aging parents. Why is grandma naked? Caring for your aging parents. What kind of advice uh, do you give folks? And uh, looking back, what kind of advice would you have appreciated when you were doing the caregiving? Okay, this sounds really dumb, but don't argue with them. And by that, I mean, there may come a time when they start to develop dementia or just something changes with their personalities. And they will tell you something that is just so crazy and preposterous and you know it can't be true. Uh, but you're going to try to convince them? Like, I'll give you an example if you'd like. Would you like me to give you an example? I would. Okay. Mom was still driving. She was 91, maybe 92. She was an okay driver, but although there is a big chapter about when to take out the, um, take away the keys. And she had a lot of dings and dents on her car and she had good explanations for them. So I think I'm really gullible. But anyway, she came home from a, a shopping expedition and she said that somebody who she had carpooled with um, to religious, for my sister to religious school, um, the mommy, uh, whose child was now grown and probably in her 40s or 50s, um, was sitting next to her in the parking lot and the woman turned to her daughter who was in the car in the parking lot next to mom and said, doesn't she look old? So I said, wow. mom, I said, mom, she's gone to one of two places, either Florida or no longer on this earth. Although I may not have said that to mom. And I so <laughs> stupidly, I actually went on the computer and looked up this lady's name. I call her Mrs. G in the book. And there she was in, in Florida. Ma, that didn't matter. Mom was convinced that mom didn't look as young as she used to, that she looked old. And this lady was saying she looked decrepit. I mean, what was I thinking? Why couldn't I just say, okay, that woman isn't, wasn't very nice, mom. She, I, she actually asked you to leave the carpool because somebody else wanted to come in who had been in the carpool before. So mom didn't like that woman, but that person trotted back into her life in her delusion. <laughs> Go figure. 
And the best advice is don't argue. Don't argue, really. I mean, unless they're telling you something that's injurious to them. And again, I don't give advice in my book. I say that works for me because why would I argue with her? She had stories about the progressive insurance lady and the Travago guy. She would create these narratives about them. The, Trav- the progressive insurance lady was pregnant. And she and why did the producer put her in white? Because when you're pregnant, white makes you look bigger. And <laughs> I don't know where she came up with this stuff. Although now I know why I, I like to write fiction, because she would read a lot and read a lot of stories. So her imagination was there. Well, uh, the advice I've also heard is, just join them where they are. Oh, that's wonderful. What a wise way to put it. Can I quote you on that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, a lot of experts who have said that. Uh, okay. Yeah, like I say, I didn't have time to read the experts. I, I did a lot of, I would call it seat of the pants. So you, that's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing. If you can read and find the time, God bless. <laughs> now, you work as a, as a writer. You said you also are a lawyer. Are you still practicing? No, actually, well, what happened was I had a job um, that I represented people on psychiatric units and senior citizens, and I represented senior citizens for many years. But when COVID came, I had already decided to retire, you know, from my job because I was older. I don't like to say old. I purged that from my, my vocabulary, but I, it was time to retire. But being that it was dangerous to go into hospitals at that point because of my age, I retired, you know, from that job. Mm-hmm. And full-time writing. I am a full-time. And that's what I did prior to. I became an attorney at age 39. And so I had been a journalist and a playwright and wrote lots of articles and essays. One with Beginner's Luck, my first was in the New York Times. My second was in Newsday. That's a very large paper out on Long Island. I know Newsday. Ah. Where did you go to to law school? I went to a law school called CUNY, City University of New York. Sure. I lived in New York for a while, so these are all familiar terms. Uh, And what led you to law school at the age 39? Although I went late, too. I was in my late 20s. Okay. Um, Well, you know, I was working in a journalism job. It was a print journalism job. I didn't see the writing on the wall. I didn't have, you know, I I was impressioned about a lot of jobs would be cut from print journalism. But I had to realize I was 36. I, um, I had, you know, part-time, you know, worked for a while and I had worked for two years at a journal, at a weekly, um, newspaper, but I wasn't going to become a New York times, uh, star or win the Pulitzer prize for journalism. And the salaries were so abysmal. Right. So I, I went to a law school actually that's, that's called, um, law in the service of human need. So a large percentage of the, um, the graduates go into uh, nonprofits and I wasn't looking for the big bucks. I was looking to help people. I represented children for 13 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. I was very dedicated. I, I really am protective of, of, you know, my clients, you know, sure. my clients needs and desires. Mm-hmm. Well, it dovetails with being a caregiver and, and talking about and writing about caregiving. Oh, so true. Thanks. That, you know, you, you have a lot of wisdom, I have to say. <laughs> Comes with age, right? Yeah, you know, not, for most, for some people, yes, but you huh. know, not everybody. <laughs> Well, as you take a look at that caregiving journey, uh, we're at a point in time where uh, because of COVID-19, so many folks have been thrown into caregiving who never thought it would happen to them, uh, who are having to adjust. Uh, Your book could be a, a guide for them, could it not? Yeah. I mean, I say what worked and what didn't work. You know, I, I say the things that I did wrong and my solutions, you know, might be 
possible solutions for them or they can get ideas off of the solutions that work for me. So um, I'm hoping that if nothing else, it's funny. And it's, it's certainly, I don't think it's a waste of any, any reader's time. It's short. It's 113 pages. But I, I, I like to help people if I can. And, you know, and I, again, but it's not advice. It's what worked for me that may or may not apply to that particular person. Because every, well, I wanna... yeah, their, their, their journey is different. And so is the person, the, the aging parent's journey. I want to find out in just a minute what worked and what didn't work. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. Thank you so much for sticking with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. We're talking with Ellen Pobert Rittberg, uh, who's just released book, Deals with Caregiving. Why is Grandma Naked? Caring for your aging parents. She is also the author of 35 Things Your Teens Won't Tell You, So I Will, and to prove how prolific she is, she's got a book of poetry coming out uh, this June. So, Ellen, when you're not writing, what do you do for fun? I walk. I'm a big, I'm a big walker. I love to, and, and now with the flowers and nature and, and that's, you know, that's something that I think is important when you're a caregiver. Sometimes the stress is just so overwhelming, even opening up the front door, looking up in the sky, looking at flowers, observing a bird that may be in your backyard, that could really, you know, elevate your spirit. So you talk about in your book, things that you were successful at, things you weren't successful at. Share some of those with us. What worked, what didn't? Okay. Um, one of the things that worked, uh, that, should I start with the what worked or what didn't work? Your choice. Okay. I'll start with what worked. Um, what worked was, I think my overall a- outlook was I regarded being with my mom as a blessing, if you will. You know, I really did. I Here here she was, she was you know, almost 90 and I was able to do this thing for her when lots and lots of people were, you know, having their parents go to assisted living or, um, or nursing homes. And I knew that wasn't right for my mom. She had had a very, you know, unhappy and distressed childhood and grew up without a mom. And I knew I wanted, I wanted her to, if I could, with God's help to die in her house. And um, I managed to achieve that. So, and it wasn't just me achieving it. It was doing lots of things and putting a lot of things in place. She had hospice in the house. So that was, I think, um, something I did that I I succeeded in doing, if you will. But I certainly didn't do it alone. And I couldn't have done it without all the supports I put in place. Um, What I I didn't do well is, and and I mentioned this uh, before, is I didn't ask people for help. And I say in my book humorously, you're not good at everything, you know, and you don't even have to be great, great at everything. They could be somebody that's not as good as you, but if they're good enough and you're overwhelmed, ask them, you know, and there's so much that needs doing. I, I know there was a point um, I, I got an erroneous bill, a medical bill, and um, 
you know, I didn't, I, I didn't ask it first. And then I, I, I had dealt with bills before. And then I, so that was what I didn't do well. But then I said to my sister, uh, Roberta, can you handle this for me? It's just, and she did, uh, you know, but it's the not, it's the not asking, you know, and then I say in my book also, if you don't ask people, they're not comfortable doing some of the hands-on things. That's human nature. Cause you know, one of the things you do is you deal with your parents, you know, ba- bathroom duties. And uh, the first time you shower a parent, it's, <laughs> it's kind of a rude awakening. I, I say it's a, even if you're a gym rat, like I once was, you're seeing what you may look like down the road a piece and it's not always pretty. <laughs> and how did your mom take to it as well? Because uh, for her, it's a switch as well uh-huh. with her daughter helping her in the shower. Yeah, well, she was she was grateful for that. But I, I do say in my book, my my book is um, is A to Z with chapters A to Z. And my first chapter is become the alpha dog. So you really have to become I don't want to use the word bossy, but you have to be the person that takes charge. And that's, I think, a lot of parents do not like. That's not the role they're, they're, you know, accustomed to. They raised you. They told you when to go to bed, you know. They set your routines. And suddenly you're telling them what they have to do. Like, you know, mom, you know, it's time to go. It's time to go to the bathroom at this moment, you know. You can't wait anymore. You got to give yourself time, you know. They may not want to do that. So that's one of the things that really changes a lot. Time to go to bed. Time to brush your teeth. Time yeah. to have dinner. Yeah. And then as you look at uh, from A to Z, 26 chapters. Well, actually, there were a couple of letters that I that I had to have extra things. So there's C1, C2, C3. Oh. <laughs> and what were the C's? I'm looking at my ta- as I'm speaking to you, I'm looking at the table of contents. Oh, good. Uh, one of the C's is um, call upon others. OK, and then I elaborate on it because it's so important. Call upon others. They're not chopped liver, which means. Chopped liver right. is, a big, is a big delicacy I grew up with. So, uh, yeah. You well, know, I happen you to be like Jewish. Right. I'm this Jewish. Ju- we live, we live for Jewish. chopped liver. <laughs> right. Sorry, vegans. And, <laughs> and the third one is purge the word convenient from your vocabulary. And that's a huge one. That's a huge one. Nothing about Me- being a caregiver is convenient. It's just not, you know. You don't choose so, the emergencies when they occur, right? And D would be for demanding. <laughs> yes yes yeah so there were there were multiple chapters and and actually um i didn't have an x y and a z so i called that my conclusions i couldn't come up with letters for x y and z <laughs> but i felt i needed a conclusion so i said consider this my conclusion so for someone who is listening who uh, we know if they're not a caregiver now in 10 minutes a call may come in that's your mom, your dad, your grandpa, your grandma are in the ICU. We need you here now. Mm. And you become a caregiver out of nowhere. That's so true. So true. What, what's your best advice to how to begin that process? Other than um, say no and don't take any more phone calls. You know, I think realizing the time element is something you don't control. You know, for example, going to the hospital, you don't know how long you'll be there. You have to, if you're working, you have to make arrangements. And, you know, if you're lucky at work, you have, you know, people that that are sympathetic and will pitch in for you and, you know, make accommodations. But, you know, our nation is not there yet in terms of adequately understanding, you know, how important caregiving is to families. And so many caregivers are family members. So I think that's a big one. And and as a caregiver, uh, you have a sister, you were saying, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, uh, you asked to do a couple of things, handle 
uh, how to handle a bill and what have you. Mm -hmm. uh, was there anyone else in your family that uh, could have pitched in that you didn't ask? Not really, because my we have three sisters, and my other sister um, didn't live anywhere nearby, and she was working full-time, but she she did her part. She communicated with my mom by phone. Uh, she and her significant other came, and they made a ramp for mom. So, she, you know, she was there in her way. And, and my sister also, my, my, the sister I talked to about, Roberta, Roberta was, was a great one for me to call if I – you know, was got got in a very stressed state, and she would sometimes, you know, propose a solution, which might not be the one that I chose because I was really in charge. But she had a good logic that when you're so close to the situation, you don't always have that logic. And I can vent to her, and that's a, that's a very important function as well. As you take a look then at uh, the various challenges that you had, and we talked a little bit about what you might do differently. Uh, if you had it to do all over again, would you? Oh, without a, without a moment's hesitation. I, I as I told you, it was a it was a blessing. You and I say in my book, you never know how long your parents are going to be there. And you know, with rare exceptions, you know, in terms of your own upbringing, some people, you know, you know, can't do those things because of a, a horrible upbringing or things their parent did. I totally understand that. But if you can rise to the occasion of um, of respecting your parent and, you know, and being able to do it, the rewards as empathetic as I am. And I, people tell me I'm, I'm kind and good. And my, my older sister always said, you're the good, you're the good daughter. You know, uh, you're the good one. She's all, we're all good, but kindness, if, if you don't have a lot of kindness, you'll develop it. And as kind as I was and empathetic as I was, I probably became even more so, you know, and I was quite kind and empathetic, but yeah, we change. Tell me a little bit about your poetry. Do you reflect in that poetry what you did as a caregiver? Yes. Oh, what a what a great question. I actually have a poem on my website, which is ellenrittberg.com, which R-I-T-T-B-E-R-G. And I have um, one poem that's actually in my poetry tab that says um, – it was the weekend of my uh, when my mom was actually, I think, dying, and I was putting blankets on her feet, and they were they were cold, and I didn't oh. even associate her body slowing down and her feet, even though she had blanket on blanket on blanket, being able to warm up, you know, or describing you know different things about her behavior. I have two poems about mom. One, you know, one I wrote after the fact. I, I wrote them after the fact, though. You know, you can you share them. one with us? Uh, you know, I probably could if you want to. Uh, oh, that'd be wonderful. Okay. You got to find the book. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know what it is? I, if you don't mind holding on, but otherwise I think, um, you know, it, it has to do with, you know, even watching, here's a better one. I don't want to disturb the uh, flow of our, of the show. I will tell you, um, mom had all of her own teeth and, and I even had a routine for helping her brush her teeth when she sat on her bed and I'd bring her the water and the, and the, huh. and the toothbrush. But I remember even with all her own teeth, there came a time when her teeth used to close and make a sound of like a castanet. Right. You know, it was clacking. Almost, yeah. Clacking. And those were her own teeth, but you know, all kinds of physical things happen to you, um, you know, and, and if you want, my book's coming out in June. It's called He is Walking Wider, which is, uh, you know, my, my title poem. But there are, there are a lot of poems about family because family is very dear to me. 
Um, so yeah, and then I I found a um, another poem about my mom that's in the book is I found something in a drawer in my office one day, and it said buy mom support stockings. And I just got this kind of like jolt, you know, my mom's not here anymore. You know, I was reminding myself I had to go buy her her stockings. Right, right. Compression so that, that hose. Was, yeah, that was that was, um, you know, fertile, fertile area for poetry, if you will. Is there a day that goes by when you don't think about her? You know, that's such a good question. I think of, I really think about her, especially now that the book came out, I think. I talked about all kinds of intimate things about, you know, how you take your parent to the, to the bathroom and stuff. And I know my mother always uh, supported me in my writing and I won an award once I had a cable TV show. She came out for me. So I think she, she'd understand, but she was so private. It's like, Oh, I hope mom's okay with it. You know? Interesting. Well, you are a living proof of what we as Jews say when someone passes away, may her memory be a blessing and clearly it's a blessing for you. Oh, thank you. So well put. So well, well I put. thank you for joining us. If people want to get a hold of a naked grandma, why is <laughs> grandma naked? Is it on Amazon? It is on Amazon. And also it's in bookstores. If you go to a bookstore and ask for it, the bookstores have it. But cool. it is on Amazon. That's the fastest way to get it. You know, in this day and age, it's in paperback and it's an e-reader. Ellen Pobre Ritberg, thank you so much. And uh, I hope we do this again soon. You take care. Bye-bye. I love it. Thanks for having me, Ron. Sure. Enjoyed Thanks for it. listening. For Caregiver SOS on air. For Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. We will talk with you soon. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS on air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.